0: Central banks have been doing everything in their limited power to get interest rates to go up because they want to convince you that rates have to go up in order to fight inflation. Yet markets around the world have resisted these higher rates, and not because those markets are trying to get financial conditions to become easy, as central bankers try to claim, but rather because those markets and the participants in those markets Know that lower rates are consistent with the world heading into a very dark place and dark situation. In fact, this is one of the biggest mistakes that the Federal Reserve and policymakers and academics and economists had made in the early 1930s. The Federal Reserve in particular had associated low rates with easy money. And Milton Friedman pointed out in the 1960s what a huge mistake it was, as did one Ben Bernanke in the early 1980s in his most famous paper where he noted that low interest rates are not a sign of easy money. They are consistent with, as Newt Wixell pointed out over a century ago, depression economics. So interest rates that want to go down that never got really high to begin with, that's a very dark sign. And what we're seeing right now is one market in particular that is maybe decisively Accelerating to the downside in a crucial place that is a poignant warning. Now, interest rates have gone up since 2021, but that is largely, almost entirely, in fact, I would say it is entirely a function of central banks doing their pretend rate hiking, fighting inflation maneuver. When you look back at what happened to interest rates and bond yields in particular, long term bond yields in particular, they were forced up by central bank policy targets going up, central banks offering money markets that were higher returns than they could get in the private marketplace. So that pushed short-term rates up, which had a limited impact on longer-term rates, which, which do have to take into account what alternative investments you can get at central banks, but also keeping in mind, keeping in mind What Irving Fisher said, growth and inflation expectations over the longer run. So what's holding rates down that's consistent with Wixel and Friedman and scholar Ben Bernanke, not bureaucrat Ben Bernanke, is lower growth and inflation expectations going forward. And the more the markets resist the central bank rate hikes, the more they're telling you bad things are coming. And it's not more inflation. It's the exact opposite. In fact, it's depression economics, and we've got a key one to talk about today. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available. Where we go over all of these monetary things. What are curves? What are they made of? What is the monetary system itself? It's not what you think. The Eurodollar, what it is, what it's supposed to do, and why it isn't doing what, it, what we need it to do, especially these days, Eurodollar University subscriptions, a daily briefing that I have and contribute at marketsinsiderpro.com. And I also do a daily deep dive analysis. That's at the Eurodollar University website where we dive deep into all of these topics, especially curves, especially money, how they impact macro today, as well as hopefully a good idea of what might be coming tomorrow. All the information available for you at Eurodollar.university. Most people have given up on the banking crisis, and even the recession to a certain extent, certainly the stock market has, because we haven't seen a bank fail since early May with First Republic. The Federal Reserve, they seem to—they claim to have everything under control, and because we don't see an immediate fallout in continuing banking crisis one after another after another, public perception being wrong on that account. That account. Many people have thought come to believe that everything's fine, the economy's going to recover in the second half of the year, it's incredibly resilient, and those economists and those people in the mainstream media who believe that we might actually end up with a recession, it's only going to be short and shallow. But markets continue to move in a different direction. In different direction not just from the Fed, but from all of those mainstream projections. Interest rates in particular those in Japan are moving down again. Now, while we've had rates go up a little bit, mostly fluctuating back and forth since March, uh, US Treasury yields have gotten to be the highest they have been since March, they're still lower and they're still in the falling trend, but it's long-term Japanese government bond yields that have got our attention because they have started to roll over and move decisively lower, even though they never really backed up all that much during the month of May. So where you could say that there might've been a case that the banking crisis, some urgency has left the treasury market or in European markets in the month of May heading into June, that wasn't really the case in Japanese government bonds. And the trajectory and pattern in in Japanese government bonds tells us something important about where we're going, not just where we're going, but also how we got here. It's very consistent with the the overall increasingly globally synchronized story. But before we get to that, we need to back up and what is it that Japanese government bond yields actually tell us? Now I know what a lot of people say, there's not a whole lot of trading in JGBs anymore because the Bank of Japan has basically bought everything. And while that's true to an extent, there is still some signal in the JGB market, despite all of that mainstream or all of that uh, official and Bank of Japan noise. And we can see that again, when you pull up a chart of the long-term JGB yields, you see It's absolutely consistent with everything else that we've talked about on this channel, as well as everything else that you can see around the rest of the world. So what JGB yields are reacting to specifically, first of all, like other bond yields around the world, there is some some consideration for what the central bank, this case, the Bank of Japan might do in the future. Although that's a very small consideration, but as we'll see, it it does potentially play a role. Should the Bank of Japan ever find itself in the situation where it might actually raise rates, that is a factor that long-term JGB investors are going to take into account and have that one particular point. The bigger factor, however, dollar swap costs. Because JGB yields are so incredibly low, because Japan has been in a depression for a very long time, multiples of decades actually, JGB yields are very low, so the returns are very low. And if you're interested in owning a government bond and a 30-year Japanese government bond yields you one and a half percent, why wouldn't you want a 30-year U.S. Treasury yielding 4%? Well, the answer is it depends upon how much it costs to swap out of yen into U.S. dollars and then buy either the U.S. Treasury or use the U.S. dollars to intermediate into some other government bond, say in the U.K., Europe, whatever the case may be. So dollar costs and dollar funding costs, swap costs, repo, collateral, all those kinds of things, those play an important role in setting JGB yields. So if we see JGB yields rise in tandem with government bond yields around the rest of the world, like we did in 2022, that tells us something about the availability of dollar funding, the the economics of dollars as as it relates to those interest rate differentials. We also have to factor when we're talking about jgbs perceptions of interest rates around the rest of the world because that's going to be an important consideration too you have to perceive what interest rates could be today versus tomorrow along with dollar costs and those are those are key key components to understanding what jgb market is actually telling us so as i said you go back last year what you see is that as interest rates were pushed up by the Fed and then by the ECB, short-term yields went up, dragging long-term yields up with them. That then pressured long-term Japanese government bond yields because they found even though dollar swap costs were going up too because of the dollar shortage that was happening at the same time, the interest rate differentials at key parts were made it more than economical to absorb the higher dollar funding costs and swap into other assets anyway. So they sold their JGBs, JGB yields went up alongside other interest rates around the rest of the world. Though they didn't go up in lockstep because as other rates went up during that period, dollar funding costs got more and more expensive too. That all changed in late October. In fact, you see the date October 21st in the U.S. Treasury yields, uh, U.S. Treasury market, as well as German government bond market, too. You see it in October 24th in the JGB market, but late October was an inflection point where long-term yields, that's the point when they said, we've had enough of these rate hikes, we're going to break with central banks, whether in Europe or the United States, ebbs and flows along the way. But if you look at at the chart over the last year and a half, late October shows up as a key inflection point, as it does in the JGB market with one little hiccup along the way. That hiccup came in the middle of December and lasting until the middle of January, where unlike yields around the rest of the world, Long-term JGB yields went up because there was some short-run consideration. There was some short-run belief that maybe, just maybe, the Bank of Japan was going to raise rates like every other central bank around the world. The CPI in Japan had, for the first time since the 1980s, really since the late late 1980s, early 1990s, had accelerated in any meaningful way because QEs never work. So there was some thought that maybe the Bank of Japan was going to have to raise raise rates. After all, in the middle of December, they had just adjusted their yield curve control because of everything that we've just been talking about. As long-term rates in Japan were pushed higher by rates around the rest of the world, they put a lot of pressure on the one part of the JGB curve that the Bank of Japan actually targets. Their yield curve control is not controlling the actual yield curve. It's controlling only the one maturity. What they've said is, we'll buy as many 10-year government bonds as is necessary to keep the 10-year yield between zero and 0.25%. Really, it's 0.25 and minus 0.25, but zero and 0.25%. But with rates rising around the rest of the world, uh, Japanese financials swapping out of JGBs into other assets, therefore JGB rates going up that, tra- that that whole process pulled the 10-year treasury treasury yield up or it wanted to pull the 10-year treasury yield up, forcing the Bank of Japan to come in and buy lots of 10-year JGBs, which in mid-December, they said, you know what, we give up here. Rates want to go up. We don't mind if rates go up. So we're going to widen the yield curve control from plus 25 to plus 50. So long-term rates were even pressuring the, the J- Bank of Japan's yield curve control target. And so from mid-December until mid-January, long-term Japanese government bond yields went up even further because there was a thought that if the BOJ was going to widen the YCC band, maybe that's just a prelude. The next step will be an actual rate hike. So that's the one time where JGB yields broke with interest rates and markets around the rest of the world, but it would not last very long because we see uh, January 12th, which is a date that comes back in a lot of Asian US dollar indications, in particular CNY and JPY. Both of those began to turn back around and head lower again on the same day, after the same date, January 13th. Ever since January 12th, JGB yields have been moving modestly lower, which we can interpret as something specific about dollar funding costs. Because remember what happened, especially in the month of February. In February, we had soft landing and no landing fever around the Western world, Europe and the United States in particular. Um, In the US, we had the big January payroll report, big retail sales, red hot supposedly CPI. So yields in the United States and US treasuries as well as in Europe, those rose precipitously in the month of February. But in Japan, JGBs kept going lower, not higher. They didn't follow global rates, which tells us that the global dollar market was be turning sour, at least on Asia. China reopening. That's why we saw JPY and CNYs turn lower. And that's why we saw Japanese government bond yields, the long-term yields, turn lower too. Even though there was higher rates around the rest of the world, Japanese investors were not swapping into U.S. treasuries that were yielding more because we surmise that dollar funding costs were becoming much more expensive. That obviously continued with uh, the, the eruption of the banking crisis in early March. Cause you see JGB yields, they tank along with the rest of the world, which interest rate perceptions as well as dollar funding costs, so much lower JGB yields after Silicon Valley bank. Then again, JGB yields, they go lower late in April, just before we get to first Republic. So again, that's consistent with the banking crisis as well as everything that was happening with China reopening failing, dollar funding costs getting more and more expensive, making it less and less economical to swap out of JGBs, therefore more buying of JGBs pushing their yields lower. The important part today is that JGB yields are now heading decisively lower even though we don't see any similar move in rates in other markets. Rates have moved modestly higher in U.S. Treasuries, less, less upward in uh, European markets since First Republic, since uh, really around the middle part of May. Over the last month, those rates have backed up, but JGBs have been steady and then they've gone lower, which is, of course, consistent with everything we've been talking about. China reopening failing, dollar funding costs going higher, portending much different more much more difficult circumstances at least in Asia at first around the rest of the world before getting around the rest of the world so the dropping the drop down the falling down of japanese government bond yields of late that's a warning sign that's consistent with everything that we're seeing in currency markets as well as what the chinese are telling us the warning that the chinese just sent yesterday lowering their interest rates, lowering their benchmark interest rates, as well as what the state council said over the weekend about the changing global economic landscape. The Japanese market is moving in, in uh, tandem with the changing monetary and economic landscape. It's not easing, lower rates are not easing. Lower rates are a sign of growing deflation worries. And you can see this in all of the Europe, uh, all of the bond markets around the rest of the world, just in how they have, as I said in the beginning, resisted rate hikes. The numbers are just astounding. You look at the Federal Reserve, or the U.S. Treasuries, and the Federal Reserve in the United States. Since the Fed started hiking rates in March 2022, they've raised rates by a cumulative 500 basis points. The three-month Treasury bill yield, which is very close and very much influenced by the Fed. That's up by 490 basis points in the same amount of time. Uh, The two-year Treasury is only up 275, though to be fair, the two-year did start rising before March, but still the point remains, it's not up nearly as much as the Fed's rate hikes. The five-year Treasury up only 181 basis points compared to the Fed's 500, the 10-year 158, the 30-year just up 140. And it's like that around the rest of the world. Look at Europe. Since July, when the ECB started hiking its rates, the ECB's benchmark rates are up a cumulative 375 basis points. And that doesn't take into account the 25 that they did, which will be effective tomorrow. So 375, at the same time, the German two-year is up only 266 basis points, the five-year up 193, the 10-year up 152, the 30-year just up 130, compared to the ECB's 375. My point here, interest rates are resisting rate hikes because they're telling you central bankers have it wrong about inflation as well as the direction of the overall economy. They've said that in particular after last October and the economy has followed interest rates, not the Fed and its rate hikes or the ECB and its rate hikes. It's been more consistent and more aligned with, say, something like long-term Japanese government bond yields Then it has these mainstream ebbs and flows about banking crisis, no banking crisis, soft landing, recession, shallow, short, whatever the case may be. The Japanese government bond yields, they went up last year, and now they're going down this year. And as Ben Bernanke once wrote in 1983, low rates are not a sign of easy money. They are the consequences of a deflationary environment. And in Japan those rates are accelerating to the downside and they are telling you to look out below. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University, research subscribers, marketsinsiderpro.com, research subscribers, and of course, our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.